0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World. Uh, Starting a little bit later than normal, apologies for that. Do you know, this is the second podcast in two days that we have started later than advertised. Uh, It is my sloppiness, I think. But this time, it wasn't that I got locked out of this streaming platform and left the guest in here on his own. It was that actually my camera wasn't being visible at all, uh, which was... Immense, good actually for you that not to have to put up with my face for the duration of the episode, but not so good for taking this content and doing other things with it after the fact. So anyway, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm Ken Sims, your host as always, and uh, as is becoming always these days, uh, our sponsors of the show, which I'd like to give a supreme shout out to before we kick off, is Deepgram and Symbol AI. Now with Deepgram you'll know that it's industry-leading speech recognition. You'll know that you can build uh, you know, in- incredibly accurate voice assistance with it. You'll know that you can build incredibly accurate transcription services with it. Uh, and you'll know that it's incredibly cost-effective and that it is uh, able to be retrained based on your domain and your specific use case, which you should do. Most people don't do this, and that, they wonder why the bots are not performing very well. It's because you're not training your speech recognition model to get accurate text in order to put that into the NLU. But what you might not have known is that we are running a webinar with Deepgram in partnership with Deepgram on the 22nd of March. And it's going to be all about how to create or how to design and implement effective voice bots or voice assistants. Everyone's talking about voice. Everyone's talking about automating call centers, You know, putting voice-enabled things into apps and all that kind of stuff. Um, But it's actually quite challenging to do it, and there are some very fundamental pitfalls that most organizations that do this for the first time fall down that you don't really want to. And so do join us on the 22nd of March uh, for an exclusive webinar called The End of... Can you repeat that? Because that is what we are intending to do. And what I'll do for you while we are here... Uh, is I will put a link in the LinkedIn chat right now uh, so that you can go and sign up if you really want to. Uh, which I would definitely recommend you do uh, and i 'll also put it in the show notes for those of you tuning in on the podcast so that was march twenty second the end of can you repeat that uh, secondly shout out to our sponsor symbol AI who are providing industry leading conversational intelligence capabilities you can use the symbol AI uh, apis to build a whole manner of capabilities that you probably didn 't even realize you could even do you can do speaker diarization you can do topic summarization you can uh, you can uh, you can do kind of like you can monitor calls in your call center to figure out what people are talking about. And even whether your agents are talking about the right kind of things for the right amount of time and all this kind of stuff, compliance use cases, quality issuance use cases, you can build your own agent assist capabilities with it. There's a whole, the world is literally your oyster. It's getting to data within conversations that you didn't even know existed. Uh, and so to check out that, go to symbol.ai, that's s y m b l uh so there we go thank you to our presenting sponsors and uh thank you for bearing with me and thank you to our guest today brian podolak who is the ceo of Volcordia. brian welcome thank you for bearing with us
1: <laughs> my pleasure my pleasure thank you for having me by the <laughs> way a little uh side note dbram awesome guys Good call. yes
0: they really are yeah they yeah. really are uh, really good product really sound team uh, really got their head screwed on. One of my favorite. Um, and I'm not just saying that because they do uh, endorse us and promote us and sponsor us rather. Um, but I've been working with them for, for quite a while now and I can definitely vouch for for that team, definitely.
1: Absolutely. Shout out to Brittany out there.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. So, Brian, thank you for joining us. I know we had a bit of an issue getting this going on. You were first stuck in traffic for about uh, half an hour with a burning down car beside you. And then secondly, we couldn't get my camera working. So we've been through the mill for this. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: Hundred percent. We definitely climbed a hill to get started here today, and that makes it a little more exciting. But it's all good. Again, it thank you for your patience. And I guess it worked out okay, though.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so maybe let's start with, with a little bit about yourself, then, and, and we'll get into onto Vocodia and, and, and what you're doing stuff. But first, tell us a bit about yourself and, and how you got to the point where Vocodia became a thing. You know, what's your what's your kind of background and all that kind of stuff.
1: Absolutely. Thank you again. So uh, yeah, I lived in Costa Rica for almost 20 years. And uh, during that time, I ran a call center. We had about a over 600 agents, 700 agents at our peak and uh, always loved the business. But it was a very complex business. When you have that many people on the phone, different personalities, you wind up spending a lot of your day doing what I used to call high school type things instead of running the business. So I was always looking for a way to try to augment what we were doing with technology from, from even back then. Well, fast forward now we have the technology that allows us to do majority of those processes today with ai Um, we try to use some of the different frameworks that are available to do what we wanted and usually when you have a a problem and there's no solution that's when a new solution comes up so we've developed our own um, ai platform hundred percent trained with call center sales conversations and um, it's the only to my knowledge a turnkey solution uh, that we did so in other words the clients didn't want to that we had they didn't want to have a framework and then hire a whole bunch of engineers and spend six months at a year to a prototype. They basically want to say, Hey, here's a whole bunch of our scripts. Here's a whole bunch of recordings, click a button, make it happen. And that's what we have. It's a turnkey solution. And we can bring a client up sometimes as fast as a week uh, with an AI uh, solution, you know, call center, human conversational uh, solution. And we're very excited about it. it. It's, it's very, it's very, very exciting.
0: Interesting. So, so, Correct me if I'm wrong then. So the way that it works is if I was a user of this or a customer on the front end, business, you know, procures the Vocodia capabilities and it would be a customer on the end of the phone having a conversation with an automated sales agent. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Uh, the first of its kind to actually even do an outbound conversation. So let's explain real quickly the difference. On an inbound conversation, let's say to uh, to customer service, using a bank as a solution, or as an example, what what are you going to say? I lost my card. Can I get an account balance? It's pretty much easy to program and develop AI around inbound calls on customer service because you know what most of the requests are going to be about. You hit up a knowledge base, so it's a little easier to do. When you do an outbound sales call, whether it's a solution, a product, or a service, you don't know what questions you're going to get and how they're going to be asked. So the traditional way of NLUs where they're keyword-based and trying to take those keywords and and put them into categories just wasn't a complete solution. And the AIs and the different frameworks that were out there didn't work to what our expectations would have been. So we developed our own brain and a different way of processing conversations that's very unique. Uh, We haven't seen anybody do it the way we do, but again, it was optimized for more of a sales side. The nice side effect of that is now we found out we can actually handle customer service and inbound much better with that new solution. And what makes us unique is that we can take that script let's say, rebuttals that you've given for training to your people. We ask for three to 500 recordings on average from a client. We use that to train the model more for that particular client and that particular vertical. And it starts making calls. You know, the lead comes in the form. I want, you know, more information on a widget the call goes out, and we, we help pre-qualify the individual and make sure it gets to the right salesperson or team that it needs to get to, whether it's a hot transfer or schedule an appointment or sometimes just, you know, send out more information via email, that kind of thing.
0: Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of sort of like – what kind of results have you saw from – well, first of all, actually, let's, let's go and go to the results first. Let's start with what are clients of yours aiming to achieve? What is it that they're – like, you know, we've seen a lot lately about call centers being, for example, understaffed, overworked, hard to employ people. So there's some, some typical challenges that I think a lot of organizations tend to have. Is this the predominant challenges that your clients are coming to you with, or do they have some other things that they're trying to solve with with this?
1: It's pretty funny. So because we're a turnkey solution, um, and you, it's always when you go into a business and you think you have a solution, what we expected and what we heard back was a lot different. Uh, The number one thing that a lot of clients started coming to me and saying is like, hey, listen, I'm doing everything right. I'm 100% compliant. When I call my clients, their phone says, scam likely. And we don't know why that's happening. So because we're turnkey, a lot of our clients were coming to us just for that piece. In building that turnkey solution, if you were to break it in half, you basically have the AI side and your VoIP side. Well, We had to develop our own proprietary VoIP switch to handle latency and other issues that we wouldn't have as individuals talking that the AI would have challenges with. And in doing that, we actually then had to get involved with the telephony side. Now again, I had that experience, it was great, no problem, but we were very fortunate, lucky to get Omer Khan as our uh, CTO and this, this, his, this gentleman's experience is just amazing. I didn't think he was going to work with us, but he did. Um, But, but, uh, you know, it's funny when you deal with somebody who's uh, been working in Silicon Valley for a while, a lot of them don't want to work with a startup with no money, right? (laughs) But he's been great and an instrumental piece. Uh, My partner, Jimmy, uh, coming up with the AI side, again, instrumental piece. So outside of the actual communication piece, the other challenges, like you said, you know, before COVID, when we started this, it was not as much as nobody wants to work as much as maybe augment or help with maybe peak times or downtimes. Hmm. Since then, we are just filling holes, so to speak. Like, listen, I need—I have a hundred seats here. I've only got fifty people working. To help. So um, it's been—it's definitely changed our business uh, for the better, and I think it's also going to, you know, change the future. Uh, the other nice thing about it is this: is a lot of clients that we have who have been going offshore uh, to, to various countries. Um, they had the challenges because, again, unfortunately, because of COVID those centers that they were using offshore a lot of those agents had to start working from home and in a third world country it's hard enough to get good quality internet and now you're at an individual's house who could be re- really far away and the take you know the, the communication's gotten worse right we used to always talk mm-hmm. about accents or things were a little hard to hear you know because of compression etc now you're at a point where you're hearing this while you're talking to somebody on the phone, but you're on hold for two hours, right? And you don't want to disconnect because you're, God forbid, you have to start that process again. So we're starting to be able to um, assist our US-based clients with either their offshore teams to augment them or even their onshore teams to augment those teams and just, like I said, fill in those holes.
0: Mm, interesting. This seems to be a trend, doesn't it, going on? I mean, I spoke at a, a, a webinar yet. Yeah, uh, last night, I think it was, and one of the kind of things I was trying to drive home is is kind of this fact, which is that, whether it's a a fact, is that that a lot of kind of like organisations originally or historically saw AI as a cost saver, and I suppose those that are, I suppose, lacking in maturity as far as the adoption of AI solutions Mm -hmm. still kind of have that in their mind that this is a cost saving initiative and we're going to put this solution in play and it's going to solve all of our problems. We're going to be able to lay a bunch of people off and it's going to actually release cashable savings that we can say there's some money saved. But the reality is that most of the actual implementations that are working well are ones that are not there to specifically save cash, but ones that are there actually to increase capacity Uh, improve customer experience, introduce 24-hour care, and all of these other things that, you know, you could probably tie a cashable saving to it if you were trying to fiddle the numbers a bit, but it's much more beyond that.
1: Yeah, Uh, it's funny because when we were coming up with, uh, you know, some of our marketing for the company, I've always liked uh, to to try to come up with something that was unique. And at the time, the wife and I were looking for a new diamond and, you know, the four C's kept coming up. So we kind of went down that path. Um, So the number one reason... Uh, when we just uh, we're talking to our our clients and people who are still in beta or or do testing the system was compliance. They love the fact that a individual on the phone is not going to lose their cool and, you know, use profanity. And sometimes it's not even always intentional. We're all human. I've heard recordings of myself in the call center days. And I go, What did I say? (laughs) Right? (laughs) You're on the phone. You're in the middle of something. We're all human. It's okay. But you know, at at other times, though, compliance is extremely serious. There's fines related to it. You can lose a client over it. So the great thing about our system, and like all AI systems, is that it's not going to go off script. It's going to stay 100% compliant. The conversational piece that everybody uses that kind of all over the place, and you know, you really want to make sure that you're truly conversational and, and actually. not just the answer yes or no and keep moving along in a script. Let me give you an example. Like if I were to call you and say, how are you doing today, Kane?" And you said, I'm great, Brian. How are you? Instead of me saying, well, the reason for my call is that that, that's horrible. Mm -hmm. But if I ask how you're doing and you said, I'm great, Brian. How are you? We reply, hey, I'm great. Thank you for asking. Right. So we want to be conversational from that beginning introduction. um, When we're getting information from a client to be appreciative. A lot of this is sales 101 things that it's outside of the technology. It's also the, uh, the scripting. So after we got all that, the very last reason of the top four reasons people chose us was the cost. Mm. It's not in the the beginning. I mean, everybody goes into this assuming to save money and and the cost, of course, you know, money is an issue, but it's not the main reason. The main reason is they need help to get more sales today. Leads are coming in and I've seen this myself. I don't know if you've seen it. I'm filling out information sometimes for a product or service or maybe a company I think we could do a joint venture with. I get three or four days till somebody replies to me, five days, two weeks later. And I'm just like, how's that happening? And we're so backed up, we're so backed up. So I definitely think the number one thing right now is the staffing issue. Uh, and also the great thing is the scalability. Let's just say you have a slow time, you only want five agents on the phone, but then you have that peak time for three weeks out of the year where you could use 200, mm-hmm. right? That's very hard to do with humans. With you know, AI, we can, hey, have your base team there, but let's help you with the scale up and the scale downs.
0: Mm, very interesting. Is there a particular kind of industry that is gravitating towards this more? Or is it um, spread across everywhere?
1: We're starting to get a lot more requests and and something that we thought of in the beginning, and we went off track a little bit, but we're back on. Um, not a popular topic, but collections. So think about a lot of people, unfortunately, lost their jobs. There's you know, some people that are just having a hardship. Not everybody, you know, runs up their credit cards with the intent to not pay, right? Uh, or, me- or doctor's offices. We've been doing a lot in the medical side where the physician knows that the individual is the money, but how hard do you want to, you know, hit up your patient for the money they owe and then stop coming to the doctor when they need care? So our hypothesis has been, and we're still early in the phases, but we're starting to see the data go the way we thought, which is people are much more comfortable actually talking to an AI about making payment arrangements and the issues they're going through than another human. So instead of me saying, man, can you know, I lost my job and then, you know, start going on and on trying to explain and make up to this because it's embarrassing. It's a little awkward with the AI being very calm, not losing its cool, not threatening to sue you and all that kind of thing. We're seeing that people are starting to be a little more, they, they, they appreciate it. You know, they feel a little uh, less guarded because they're not talking to a human. So we are starting to find use cases where the AI is actually more preferred than speaking to a human.
0: Mm, very interesting. There, there was a really good case study, and I forget the name of the uh, people that created it, but there was a really good example of a chatbot that was created for uh, women in India who were suffering from domestic abuse. Wow! And and that was one of the things about it that was the actual value proposition was that there's no stigma. A bot, a bot is not going to judge. You know, there's no stigma around. Uh, to, you know, embarrassment rather. Um, and that was kind of one of the main learners was that, was that people were willing to talk to it about their issues and, and to get help with domestic abuse, in part because it's, you know, they're not really talking to a human, you know?
1: Yeah, They feel more open, 100%. And you see that already with chat-based conversations instead of human interventions, right? Just having that piece of technology in the middle seems to make people open up a little more. Um, I kind of go back to the old days, like, let's say you're arguing with your woman and then you're in a group of people, you'll bring it up and talk about it a little more because you feel a little more safe, uh, <laughs> which is what I think we've all done. And I think that the technology, though, of course, like every technology, you got your pros and your cons, but I think that's very important. You know, that's a great example. We, um, there's a project we're involved in, in Miami with uh, women who, again, come from, a, you know, battered households, that kind of thing, and they're, they're on the run with their children sometimes, scary stuff. But, you know, that initial call, that initial outreach and there's a lot of neat things we're doing with the AI that we didn't think about three years ago, but we're seeing now, and it's it's very exciting. And again, it's definitely helping the world for
0: sure. Mm, yeah, definitely. The collections one's an interesting one. Um, is Is there a type of... Is there a type of company that is more likely to... So, for example, when it comes to sales, and you mentioned the outbound dialer, the the, the the collections one is a perfect use case for outbound dialing, and it's something that, you know, there's, there's some pretty good examples of that um, beginning to kind of surface. Um, on the other side of the outbound, you know, is there any other outbound use cases that have gotten kind of like any other kind of degree of traction i'm trying to get to kind of what i'm trying to get to is that like some organizations have more of a like sales approach whereas others have more of an inbound approach others have more like a really high ticket item where a different type of service is required others have more kind of like cheaper higher turnover products that require or maybe a different approach is there any like any patterns emerging amongst who's using your technology around the or types of sales use cases, basically. Does that make sense?
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. So most of it, let's just say a typical company that gets getting an online lead that, you know, somebody filled out a form on the internet or through Instagram, Facebook, wherever it may come from looking for more information and that's, you know, generic and now to call that individual and explain exactly what, find out exactly what their needs are. Um, health insurance agencies, right? You have a licensed health insurance agent that's qualified to help you. Well, if you're looking for an individual plan compared to a plan for your family, you might have to go to one department, right? And there's nothing worse, right? Then when you get that call and you somebody speaks to them, you're like, oh, I got to transfer you somewhere, right? Mm. So by having the AI do the fronting, as we like to call it, or the opening, you can now understand exactly what the client's needs are, um, ask the right questions, and then pass them over to a qualified agent that's going to help them right away. Uh, and health insurance and, and, you know, the healthcare is big vertical for us. Uh, on the fintech side, uh, you know, hedge funds looking to open up new accounts, right? Somebody wants to invest or put their money with this fund. Well, there's so many different fund managers that they may want to speak to. Hey, listen, I, this is the amount of money I'm looking to invest. And in. these are the type of investments I like. And this is where I feel comfortable putting my money. Well, you don't want to speak to somebody who's maybe doing real estate when you really want to be involved with crypto, right? So it's actually helped the customer experience. Um, the other great thing is because it's so on demand, let's just say, um, like I called a, uh, an airline the other day, I had an issue with my plane and had to change it, couldn't do it online for whatever reason. It was giving me an error, said, call this number. Two and a half hour hold time. No option to call me back. Wouldn't it be great if when you had those peaks that you could click a button and have another 500 AI agents there or, or whatever number you need to hurry up and deal with that peak of volume. So an experience like mine, instead of two and a half hours, maybe it's two minutes or five minutes, right? Mm. I think when, if anybody holds two to five minutes, that's acceptable. Once it gets over five minutes, you either want to be called back or you're just going to hang up and deal with it or not deal with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it almost gets to the point, sometimes you're like, you know what, that particular brand three times in a row, I try to call, it's always two and a half hours. I travel a lot, I can't deal with that. I think I might switch my favorite airline, right? Mm. I may switch my favorite hotel, uh, things of that sort. So outside of the outbound and the inbound, it's all about the customer experience. Everything we've developed was that end user on the phone having a good experience, if not better than dealing with a human. We knew if we did this and the experience was eh, who would care, right? So we wanna be outside of being conversational, helpful. So I call it my father test. You know, if my dad can get through it and doesn't get frustrated, we're good to go. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and on the same time, somebody does say I want to speak to a manager or I want to speak to an operator. And you're always told, I'm sorry, repeat that. That's annoying. Right. So we make sure that if somebody does have a little frustration that they can get to a, a supervisor of some sort, by the way, that's best practices in sales in general, right? If you're speaking to somebody, you're not happy. You want to speak to a supervisor. We've all been there. And when they say somebody's not available, doesn't that irk you more, right, in dealing with people? So we took what we knew from our experience over 17 years and developed that in our AI. So it's not just the technology. It's also the processes related to that technology to make that end-user customer experience to be superior.
0: Mm -hmm. What are those kind of ingredients to make that effective customer experience works on like you mentioned there, you know a lot of the stuff that's gone into the the technology the processes all that kind of stuff what what would you if you were to kind of like put your finger on it what what are some of the qualities that you think make that kind of like stand out customer experience
1: so the bottom line is people want to get to the point So, uh, when you're doing an outbound call, and we all have that gifty gab to a degree, right? So, if I call you, Kane, and I say, hi, my name is Brian from XY Insurance. I see you filled out a form here. Are you looking for health insurance? And you say, yes. I go, great. Where are you located? And you say, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And then I go, oh, wow, I'm from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. In fact, there's this ice cream store I used to go, and do you know it? And we're not talking about the reason for the call. And now you're trying to be polite, but you're like, listen, I just need to help out my family. Mm. So, all the, let's say, BS, the noise is gone. Now, of course, at the same time, that is what makes us human, which is great. But for business, most people want to get to the point. Listen, I'm glad you're also from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. That is beautiful. But uh, give me a price on my insurance. So one of the stats a lot of times people look at is the average time that an agent's on the phone. And usually if it's a good lead and you're doing good quality, you'll have a minutes that you look for. And when the times are too short, that means the leads aren't as well as they they used to be or, or whatever. So there's an average time that you look at the agent. So our times actually get cut usually almost in half because we're getting to the point. We're answering questions and objections, getting back on script. Uh, another thing, there's nothing worse is, let's just say you ask a question such as, um, how much does it cost, uh, or, or better yet, how's this? How did you get my information, right? Uh, why are you calling me? Because sometimes you're like, I didn't fill out a lead and maybe my ex-wife did or whatever. But when you are asked like, hey, how did you get my information? A lot of people are like, oh, we have a marketing department or something generic, and then there's just silence. But you're not continuing the conversation. So as far as the conversation itself, and you hear conversational AI all the time, that's great. But what about continuing the conversation and pushing the conversation forward in a timely manner? Nobody has the patience that they did had 25 years ago. You want to get to the point. You want your information. You want it to be polite. And then you want to move on with your life. And that's something that our AI does is it stays on track and pushes the conversation
0: forward. Very good. That is that is interesting. Um, Is there? How does the kind of like I'm really interested in the outbound use case because it's not a. There's examples of it, and and obviously it happens. But you know, for example, I look at a company like um, Volker AI. We're familiar yeah. with Booker AI quite by Snap? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We followed them
1: all the way until their uh, Snapchat acquisition. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So this sounds very similar because they were really hot on the outbound use cases. They did some debt collection use cases as well. Yeah. Um, I know Webby would do something similar, but it's not some. It's not necessarily a use case that a lot of organisations kind of, um, you know, do a great deal of yet, so to speak. So I'm curious about like the, the. Let's say that you're, I don't know, let's call it health insurance. Someone goes on the website, fills in the form. All that, that would presumably automatically trigger an outbound call. That then would then have a conversation with the customer, qualify them, and then what happens? Like, what what's the bit that kind of like what happens next? Does it escalate to a agent there and then to sign them up? Does it put it in a queue for someone to process later? Like, how does the bit bit after the call work? Yeah.
1: yeah, I'm actually going to back you up a little bit. How about this? You fill out the form, you run in information, you hit enter, and then your mom called. So now you're taking this call at the same time a minute or two later, somebody's calling you. Mm. So believe it or not, even when somebody fills out a form and says, call me now, and even though we're able to trigger a call within seconds, you know, usually under 15, that's not always an appropriate time. Some people are filling it out at work and they actually want to have a call later that night. Mm. So now it's not just calling the individual, it's now recalling them and or outside of just you making those phone calls omni omnichannel, which is still in beta to either SMS or email, depending on permissions of the client uh, to say, when can I set up a time that's convenient for you to call? So now that, that we finally got the individual on the phone and we, we find out their needs, sometimes they're like, I'm busy now. Can you call me back at six o'clock? Well, you don't want to have your closers trying to call these people back on the phone, right? You want us to call back. Hey, at six o'clock. Is now a good time? No, something came up. How's tomorrow too? No problem, right? So the scheduling, the rescheduling, handling all of it. And as a salesperson myself, we all have this prima donna type thing, right? I don't want to do cold calling. I, I only want to talk to people ready to buy, that kind of thing. So we want to take that type of noise away from your top salespeople, put it on the AI to call, reschedule, et cetera. Now, once we have you on the phone and it's a convenient time to talk, Let's ask those qualifying questions so we can get to the right person or persons, a department, uh, where it's applicable. Or again, sometimes it's just triggering an email for more information if they're not ready. Or it's like, no, you are ready, You're today, now, where are you looking for? And getting them to the right people. But we also do in, um, in the business to business side, a lot of home services type um, campaigns for franchises, franchisees, et cetera. Majority of those are appointments for when that business owner has time to set aside, let's say for a demo, uh, of a, maybe another solution, or maybe they want to have time to get a better price on their liability insurance, things like that. So there's also is a lot of appointment scheduling and then rescheduling and confirmations. So we're definitely going from just being an AI company and we're definitely going down that RP, you know, robotic uh, engineer, where they really, we talk about automating different processes, like RPA is the, the latest term on that, We're really, I think at the end of the year, we're going to be more of an AI, RPA type company because Mm. so many clients are already starting to ask those things. Hey, when you call, can you put it into my calendar? Can you start triggering other processes? So the effectiveness and the efficiency is just getting better and better, but it all starts with that first conversation.
0: Mm. Isn't it funny how having the conversation, I remember talking, it was years back now actually, having the conversations uh, with either clients or even actually maybe something on the podcast, which is that conversation. having these conversations leads to new requirements, which you have previously not observed because you haven't been having these conversations. So for example, let's say you've got a call center and you've got, um, I don't know, x thousands of calls coming in per day most call centers are not really understanding what those calls are about either they they might be recording them and saving them for for, uh, you know compliance purposes or even transcribing them if they're lucky and they'll audit you know a sample every now and then the agents will have like a rap reason that they might do or might not do depending on how hard pushed they are to get onto the next call that kind of qualifies the call and so that so basically most of the data that organizations have it in the call center specifically is conversations with agents and the agents are getting so much insight but never never able to do anything with it all of a sudden you've got this ai in its place that's able to quantify and classify this data so you're getting you're getting brand new requirements coming through from having these conversations that then also leads into new technology requirements on the business side, because it's like, okay, well, if, that, if that's going to book the call for me, book an appointment for me, then yeah, put it in my calendar. If it's going to be a lead conversation, we've qualified them, update our CRM. Oh, we don't have an API for our CRM. Okay, we'll figure out how to do it. RPA. And all of a sudden, you get different requirements coming out because you've got new capability on the front end, which is really fascinating. I don't know if that's ever, is that happened before in a previous technology wave or not? Because it seems unique to me.
1: Well, you know, it's great because when I, when, when an agent has a conversation on a phone call on a the old school phone systems, you'd set what's called a disposition. What happened to that call? They were not interested, they didn't have money, wrong number, maybe later they sold, they transferred. It's very usually basic. We can't really get into the nitty gritty. And you brought up a great point. For the first time ever, because we have all these recordings and we have the AI ha- handling those conversations, and we have consistency in that conversation, right? We can actually pull real data out to assist A, on how we handle the front of that first phone call, and B, give data back to business owners on what's really going on with those calls coming in. And here's the other great thing, using AI in the background to process data, we're also able to plug in a lot of external data points to be more intelligent on how we dial and when we dial. The old school predictive dialers or power dialers, et cetera, You basically load up some data and using some funky algorithms, they call people two, three uh, calls at a time for each individual and try to keep the agents on the phone all the time. And I'm sure you've had those calls where you pick up and they just say, please hold for the next available agent. I'm like, but you called me, right? (laughs) Because the system's not perfect. So our our system, because we have AI agents, there's always going to be one that picks up. So you never have that. So that's great when you're doing outbound that you don't dial too fast where the customer is now frustrated. Every call gets picked up. We never have a, a missed call. That's awesome. The other thing is this external data points that people don't think about. For example, let's say we're calling the entire United States and we're getting 10,000 leads in a day for a client. Great. And unfortunately, you know, Oklahoma just had a tornado. Is this a good time today to be calling Oklahoma? Well, maybe I shouldn't be calling that data right now. These people have other problems, Mm. but at the same time, there's a blizzard in New York and moms are stuck at home, right? Dads are stuck at home. They're probably bored and don't mind a phone call right now, assuming their power is up, right? (laughs) And we've been able to get a lot of other data. Here's another great case. We had a company that does home security systems and a very big campaign. When people call in for a home security system, they're looking for that free home security system. What we found out is a lot of that business was dependent on an individual's credit score. Well, there's really no AI compliant way to grab somebody's credit before trying to figure out where to transfer them to but I can tell what phone they're calling from. You know, maybe if they're all on a prepaid phone, it might be different than somebody calling on an AT&T phone. And there's so much public data that helps us over time, over calls, and we start looking, even if we make no decisions for the first 30 days, but we're gathering data, gathering data, the AI in the background starts to, to learn. A common misconception, and, and not to sidetrack your comment is, You need a lot of data for these decisions to make. You can't make 50 calls and change your business. No, go 30 days, 60 days, gather a lot of data to make sure you're not just seeing a trend, that you're not just seeing a small spike. You need real data over time. And then it just starts to change things. So instead of having your standard predictive dialer just doing two calls a day every four hours, we're now able to say, wait a minute, I called this individual last time Monday morning. Maybe they're at work. Next time, let me try them Tuesday at 6.30, right? So we're able to do things much more intelligently it's not just the AI with the voices and the conversations, it's everything together using AI. And then again, RPA is coming up to give a, a, a better customer experience and B, help business owners to make more effective decisions. A, when they're dialing the data, what type of data should they be calling? And let me tell you this, things outside of our control. Another example came, how about that lead form that filled out the messaging on it, we think is great, but then we're noticing all the calls, we're not going the right way. So let's look at the messaging and maybe adjust that to see if we can get better results. And based on those conversations, a lot of times it gives feedback to the web people or the marketing people to maybe adjust the messaging.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much data.
1: It's really exciting. Yeah. yeah.
0: How much? How much of that did a consolidation and, and and kind of like analysis do, does Vocodia do, or do you kind of? You know, past that because one of the because you know there's a lot of challenges that a lot of businesses face. One is getting a solution like this set up in the first place, which I think yeah. this this whole kind of turnkey solution side of things is is very appealing. And I think I, I we'd definitely like to get into a little bit more about that because this whole buy or build versus buy off the shelf is, is becoming more prevalent. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 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 other thing that organisations struggle with is this whole concept of to to to, coin, to use a, a overused and very hyped term, big data. And what you're kind of describing here is getting into that realms, isn't it? You're dealing with thousands and thousands of phone calls you're dealing with thousands of different intents that may happen during the course of those thousands of phone calls but then you've got all kinds of different contextual data that goes alongside that as well what time of day was the lead form filled in and if we call them 30 seconds after is that successful versus if the form was filled in on a sunday night and we call on a th- on a monday morning is that so you've got all of this kind of like contextual data at hand then you've got some of that like you know external data that you mentioned blizzards in new york or whatever so there's a hell of a lot of data there to, to be able to find the patterns in. And that's kind of another challenge that organizations have is when it comes to this data analysis and taking all of these data points from different sources, making sense of it all. Is that part of what Vocodia does, this, this ability to consolidate these data points and, and present that back? Or, or do you kind of play your role in gathering the conversational data and then the client on the back end is res- it kind of handles the rest of it, so to speak?
1: Again, we're turnkey, and and I know it it takes a while to understand what turnkey means. So we have the phone system side done, right? We have the AI, the agent talking, great. And as we talk to clients and engage, and really do that needs analysis, is when we start explaining the bigger picture of what we can do for them. And we don't want them to go to other. If they have their own AI department, great. How many companies have AI scientists on the payroll? Not many, right? Mm. Except for the, the the quote unquote big boys. So to get AI scientists that are focused on sales related is also tricky in itself. So we do have a couple of of great individuals. They're awesome. And then they're in the background kind of digging and playing and doing all their manipulation and modeling, et cetera. But it's all based on data. How many times as we as salespeople think, I think this pitch works better and and you'll talk for hours. and, And I've been in many, many rooms where everybody talks about what they think their customers want. And the most dangerous thing I always hear, and this has nothing to do with AI, but this is the most dangerous thing I always hear is when people go, Well, I wouldn't buy that or I wouldn't. And they start talking, using themselves. But a lot of times the business owner is not their own best customer. More times than not. Um, So we really understand what your client's persona is, right? Really understanding that. And there's all these hypotheses, right? Before you build a website, right? A lot of us still do that whole persona, you know, which is a great exercise. But then let's see what the data says. AI is going to look at the data, It's not going to have a pre-thought disposition it's going to look at data and come to decisions now a lot of times there's still humans looking at it and of interpreting but now it's real data that we can look at and make intelligent decisions and also at the same time we could be doing various conversations simultaneously so for example i could have a male female and a female voice at the same time and see the differences i can open up with a call like hi my name is brian how are you today as one example or hi my name is brian i'm calling about your health insurance quote I'm here to help you out, and you have a little bigger introduction. And over time, with various AIs, various conversations happen simultaneously, and because they're consistent, we can do true testing, right, which you always aren't testing. Remember, the AI needs to have variable data to be able to make decisions. You can't just have one script, one voice all the time. It's not going to learn much. Various voices, different questions, et cetera. So the great thing is I could have one uh, opinion. Kane, you could have another. Let's just test them and see what happens after 1,000, 2,000 calls, 10,000 calls. And mm-hmm. that's what's really exciting to me is I love the testing and the tinkering. You know, I, that's, that's what I love to do. You know, even when I was a kid, I've always had a wrench in my hand type of a guy. So I love the fact that we get so much different data and look at it. We can make our hypotheses, then have the AI scientists look at the data and see what really is. And let me tell you, Kane, more often than not, the data tells us something that we weren't expecting. Mm. Clients who've been in their business for 25 years and say they know their business are our hardest customers when we show the data and, and, and explain the differences are the ones that say, oh, you're wrong. I'm like, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Right? <laughs> so, so this is great. So let's, let's try it. Let's see what happens. So it's, it's fun. It gives you an opportunity to, to tinker with the business a little bit and at the end result, what are we trying to do? We are looking to increase revenue, reduce cost, and make sure our customers are super-duper happy, right? The money will always come. Keep your customers happy. Make sure things are going well. That customer experience, they got exactly what they're expecting. It just changes your whole business and also your reputation.
0: Mm, mm. It's funny that, you know, it's like the whole user-centric or human-centric design is very much prevalent across um parts of the AI community, especially when it comes to this this topic of not having any prejudgments or any assumptions and, and actually using the data to allow you to design a solution and build out the solution. Because um, it always, it's always been the case anyway, even with the web, which is that a bunch of people have a bunch of assumptions and you never know anything until you've actually tested it. And then you gather the data, albeit usually with website testing, it's kind of like more kind of like qualitative data in terms of like, what do you think about this and why did you do that? <clears throat> um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I can interrupt you
1: one second. Yeah, on. That's a great point because how many times have you, when you designing a website, it's what you like. Yeah. Right? Exactly. I like this color. I like how that picture looks. I like how this is. But that is that really for your customers? Is it what you like? A great story, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is a great story. No, no, good, yeah. 2003, I had an affiliate come to me for for the, the company we are involved with. And I'm telling you, I looked at their website, and if somebody would have done something in front page for the older people out there, you would have thought they did better. We used to joking around, call it, and I hope they're not listening right now, the canary ass <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Yellow website. <laughs> and because it was this yellow, horrible site. I'm talking the worst yellow of all time. You know, your grandma's yellow, yes. that yellow. And you looked at it. I guarantee anybody listening would have seen this and go, Ugh. it was one of the best converting sites of all time. He wound up being one of my largest affiliates. And that was the day I learned. I don't know anything. Yeah. So I agree with you. It's not, you got to really remove yourself and it's hard to do as humans. So we really, really have to remove ourselves sometimes and really look at it from what the customers view. These people, this guy's much smarter than we were, knew their customers, knew their demographic, and knew Yellow worked. And I was wrong. And, you know, by the way, those are the things you are good to be wrong, right? You don't mind being wrong and the, and the ticker goes up. So 100%, you're right. Those, those predispositions, you really have to remove.
0: Thank God for that. The VUX yeah. World website's bright yellow. I'm, yeah. glad, it, I'm glad it performs well. <laughs> but uh, another, another anecdote on that is that um, I, in probably, I would say, 2011, Ish uh, when I created my first, not my first website, but my first personal website, uh which expired because I forgot to renew it and I, I lost about eight years' worth of blog articles. But anyway, let's not bring that up because I'll be in tears <laughs> on, on this show. But uh, the very first version of that, I thought I was dead cool, you know what I mean? I thought I'll, I'll, I'll make the font orange and I'll have the background to be like a mad grayish color and it'll be really cool. And it was like that for about, I would say two years, something like that. And then one day, this guy dropped me a message on LinkedIn and said, uh, "Really enjoying the content and stuff." But I, I, I honestly can't. I have to copy and paste it into a Word document because I can't read it. <laughs> I was like, "Why?" And He said, "Well, I'm I'm actually colorblind, and orange font on a on a light grey background it makes it absolutely invisible." <laughs> so I was like, "All oh, right, fair enough." So I made the background white and the text black straight away. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah it's mad 100% again it's just something you just don't know until you have that experience right yeah
0: yeah yeah exactly yeah Um, I'm curious about the the, the technology then that's going on behind the scenes you said at the very beginning at the top of the show you said that you were looking at different frameworks and different platforms and stuff like that then you said that you ended up kind of building out all this proprietary stuff obviously without giving away any secrets I'm wondering whether you can talk us through what that pipeline looks like I can assume that it's some kind of speech-to-text, NLU, dialogue management, integration layer, text-to-speech uh, on the, in terms of the pipeline. But is, is there anything kind of unique or kind of different around the pipeline that you've created? i wonder if you can walk us through that.
1: I'd say your basic concept is correct, and I think we all do that similar. It's how we process the information. So when we first developed it, again, if, when you're training these the, the brains, the NLUs, right? This is the brain of, of AI. Uh, you picture it like a library, right? You go into a library and there's books everywhere. And maybe some of us haven't been to a library for a while, but still you go in there, you got to look up in the system where the book is. You got to find the shelf. You got to walk over, find it. Now there's 50 books and find the book you want. You open it. Now you, you start going through five or six books and that takes time. It takes time. But picture instead, if you already had the book at your desk, the page was already open, So let's say that margarita, I was, Jimmy and I like margaritas. You Mm -hmm. had that margarita recipe right there and you just wanted to look at a margarita. You really don't care about the history of the margarita. You want to make that margarita. So instead of having the entire New York public library in our brain, we basically have that cocktail book and we've stripped it down to be clean, quick, and efficient because we don't need the noise. So that's a come each client, when we get them, we actually ask for the recordings of their system, of their agents in play. So we could train the system and keep it quick. The other challenge is the latency that VoIP brings up. So when you're talking on the phone compared to in front of your computer, there's extra layers there. So our average response time in talking to our, what we call a DISA, internally a digital intelligence sales agent, our average response time is a 20th of the blink of an eye, which is five milliseconds, um, which is extremely, extremely fast. Um, we were in the hundreds of milliseconds with other platforms. So keep in mind, 1,000 milliseconds is one second. So 300 milliseconds being roughly a third of a second doesn't sound a lot until when you're talking and you say, hey, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you? doesn't sound natural. Hmm. So our latency was our biggest, biggest challenge. In fact, here's a great story. Our very first system with our very first client who wanted to t- test out the system, oh, is a year and a half-ish ago now, time flies. When we had the system in Jimmy's first t- version of it again this is you know alpha not even beta but it was kind of working and we wanted to actually give it a shot we would try to cache a lot of the stuff uh, in memory and in doing that our opening statement when we called somebody it took about 7 seconds to load everything up mm-hmm. so Jimmy goes Brian your opening statement has to be 7 seconds long well guess what hi my name is Brian how are you today not seven seconds. Hmm. So we, uh, Josh, uh, one of our, our consultants, who's done a great job at, and, and whatever he was on, he was one of our voice talents at the time, helping us out. We, we played around with it and we make it more natural. We said, "Hey, this is Brian calling from so and so. How are you doing today?" So little stammers. We stretched it out and, and we got it working. Our latency is our key. Uh, our latest uh, technology, we call it the 2.0. We released you know three weeks ago. We actually have to slow it down. Is it responding too quick. And your challenge is this, when you and I are speaking, we know pretty much from the intent of what you're saying that you finished a thought. It's not necessarily time-based. Oh, he's not talking now. I could say something. And the key to a good conversation, and and there's a couple of great ones, but uh, um, one of my favorite quotes is this, people, uh, most people listen with the intent to reply, Mm. not the intent to understand. And so we had to build ours in such a way that it wasn't just, oh, he's not talking now. There's silence. I can speak now. Oh, that whole thought, that seems like a complete thought. They're probably about to be done and try to jump ahead. And that that was our biggest challenge. So once we had it working on the AI side, now we had all the VoIP delays. And we couldn't, you know, use a, you know, there's a lot of standard uh, brands out there that have VoIP gateway platforms, you know, for developers. And and they're Mm -hmm. great, you know. Uh, But they had so much framework on there or so much on their API, that that process is slow. And maybe you have to use their speech to text if you want to do something and that may not be the best one. So we had to develop now our own switch. We didn't think about that in the beginning, to be honest. It was like, I was like, oh, we'll use this guy, that guy, and no. We had to develop our own switch and to get rid of the latency there. In fact, our very first couple of demos and we had no dashboard, right? All we had were recordings that we would send to people. Hey, how, what do you think of this call? Mm. And once we started sending it to people saying, hey, what do you think of this? Like, hey, there's a campaign I'm thinking of getting into, or here's a client of ours. What do you think of this? They'd say, oh yeah, that person sounds pretty good. That was AI. No, it wasn't, right? That's when we started knowing we were there. One of our first investors, I took that call and said, hey, you know what? I don't know anything about AI. And like most investors, right? You're going to go to friends, you know, in the industry and, and get their thoughts, our first investor uh, didn't call me back for a while. I was like, that's kind of strange. And I just finally got a hold of him and said, listen, I went to an AI scientist. I played them your recording. And they said, that's not AI. The technology's not there for as fast as you're replying. And that's when I said, ah, that's great. We're being accused of stuff. I love this. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are today. We're very quick, very fast. Our latest demos are usually me talking to me to remove the doubt that it's just a woman on the other side of the phone. <laughs> Things of that sort but um, that was the, the biggest breakthrough I think we had was that latency thing uh, on the VoIP side and the second way how we process that conversation. So typically when you process the and if I talk too much can shut me up No,
0: no, no. <laughs> <go> <laughs> <for this>. but,
1: <laughs> but, but typically how you process a conversation and you'll look it up online you'll see that a, a sentence comes up and keywords get highlighted and put into a category you know hey I had a great experience oh they heard the word great that means they're happy right. Um, earlier technologies of agent assist while on the phone where it's being transcribed and kind of giving you the intent or the emotion of that customer. If it's a good call, a bad call, are they happy or unhappy? But in normal language, we don't, we're not keyword based. You know, how many times in the old days to we'll say, man, that was bad. Meaning it was something good. If I just looked at that bad. I may incorrectly identify it. So very quickly we realized that just looking at keywords and putting them in a category to understand the intent of a client was good but we realized there was something missing. And so our secret sauce is what we do beyond that to get the intent of the conversation as accurate as possible. And it changed our business dramatically. Quick example. um, Where are you located compared to where did you get my number? Well, they both have the word where, Mm. right? So you really need to look at that entire sentence to understand that meaning of what the client was trying to say. So that was a big, big change. That big, uh, for me, almost a revolutionary change in the AI industry is what Jimmy uh, came up with, with the team and just amazing, amazing uh, tech. I'm so blessed and uh, fortunate to have them as partners because, you know, there's a lot of people, as you know, out there with great ideas, but it's the execution what matters. Hmm. And Jimmy and the, and the rest of the team, Omer and, and Steve, and I know I'm going to forget them all and they'll yell at me later, but thank God for them that they came up with this and were able to accomplish it. And that's really, really key also for that customer experience. You don't want to ask a question and wait for 90 seconds. How many times have you been on the phone with a customer service person? And you're like, are you there? You're still there, right? Because mm-hmm. they're not communicating. What's going on? You're like, hello, did I, lose, <laughs> you know, did I lose the call, right? So it's important to, you know, communication. Also, what happens if I hit an API and I'm trying to pull data down to give a client the result of their account and the computer is slow, right? You ever been to the bank and they're like, I'm sorry, the system's slow. <laughs> We've all heard the computer or system is slow many times. What do you do during that time? conversational. Mm. So we wanted to reduce the latency as much as we could on our side, make that conversation happen quickly. And then the other challenge is, is if we're using external systems that we have no control over, what do we do? So there was a, a lot more than just the tech that we were mm. thinking about when we were uh, out, uh, pushing out this technology over the last you know two and a half years now.
0: Interesting. Yeah. What do you do in those times then, those those times where which everyone's gonna get into, which is there's there's a bit of latency on a line of business system API or something like that. You know, I've saw the the thing, don't tell me you do this, which is the the keyboard typing. You know the little sound effects of the keyboard typing? Oh yeah. Oh. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or, or the fake call center noise in the background. Yeah, yeah, colleagues talking. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. what what are you, because I've, I've saw other examples of, of that where um, the the assistant will essentially ask a different question to bridge the gap and and kind of like, it's not necessarily a crucial question, but it does move on and processes it in the background and then comes back later on. Well, I'm wondering whether you've got any, any kind of particular insights on how to handle latency where you're not in control of it.
1: Absolutely. So some of this goes back to a non-technology type solution. When we had the call center in Costa Rica and we had hundreds of agents and at the time in Costa Rica, internet wasn't the best. So many times outside of our control, we had a delay in gathering a a client's information, you know, whether it's pulling up a balance as an example. So let's just say it was, you know, 30 seconds, which, which, which can happen, right? And we've even seen it ourselves. You know, you're on a site trying to make a travel reservation, says, please wait. And you're like, what's going on? Well, because I see the screen, but you don't, again, there's this awkward silence. So typically there's vamping as we like to say, but that could become a problem. So I'm like, hey Nima, you know, hey Kane, hey Fred, sorry, the system's running a little slow today. So uh, where are you from? And you start talking, the system comes back, But they're still in this conversation, you know, trying to kill time, so it's not always the best. Mm. So, you know, you have a couple of ways of doing it. Every couple of seconds, hey, I'm sorry today, the system's running a little slow, I do appreciate your patience, and you can drag that out for about 15 seconds while the system comes up. If we get another error, when we say, hey, our average response is X, but now we're at Y, and kind of like you said, let's cue that and come back to it, that's the other great thing. With the AI, and because again, going a little more RPA-based, we can connect to several systems at a time, Whereas a lot of person on their computer, it gets a little tricky on their system sometimes to jump from tab to tab, right? Or if it's a problem with the terminal itself, well, that's not going to help them. So there's a couple of ways of either a, a queue would come back or, or I say, I need to come back to that and, or B just how we fill in that time because awkward silence will also kill a conversation.
0: Mm, very good. Very good. Yeah. There's some really good, in, there's some really good insights in there. I think. Um, yeah, that's, that's really good. So, so, what would you say are some of the kind of areas that are say like untapped at the moment like use cases or kind of like uh, industries like you know what i mean who who is your either like a dream client and a dream use case that's not currently being you know fulfilled right now what would you say
1: so we, we actually, you know, the, the dream case I have, is, I won't even talk on the air, but I'll tell you my second dream case because mm-hmm. the, the first one's just too amazing. And, and we're just, we're probably two years away, maybe even longer on the technology. But right now what we love to do is get that client that client that's doing two, 300 billion a year in retail sales worldwide. That's got, you know, page after page after page after corporations, and they're selling, let's say, some kind of retail product, electronics, etc. cetera. And they have so many different products in so many different countries, and they're trying to process that data to give it a better experience. And we got to keep in mind, there's cultural differences, right? Here in the United States, it's going to be different than we are in Central America or Asia or Europe, of course. And how do we take all that data, though, to give the customer a better experience Um, assist this company to help them grow their bottom line, et cetera. So that's one of our our dream cases to get into somebody that's that complex. That's got, you know, tens of systems, if not hundreds of systems. We really have to integrate to not just do the AI and that RPA. Wow. I mean, Jimmy and I, we would shut the doors, take that one client and just uh, our whole team would just love that for over the next two years. And then we would come out of that use case. Let's say after a two year, I think it would probably take two years to really get that down. Think of all that we would learn to now present to the rest of the world would be amazing because they've already got so much data, right? Mm -hmm. And it's all about the data. They're gonna have tens of they're gonna have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of recordings that they've already done that are already sitting there. They may have five, seven, ten years of recordings that we could start pulling from and training our AI and then giving them results they may never have seen before. So that's, that's our definitely dream, dream client for sure is to get that one person. We have a couple in mind and uh, we're, we would love that. That would be just amazing. We're, we're cautious on the healthcare products uh, because we're not medical professionals. You know, God forbid we were helping out somebody with in crisis and they called in and the AI had a hiccup. You know, you have an AI hiccup and you're, you miss somebody's credit card and you lose a sale. Okay, you're at 50 bucks. God forbid you do that when somebody's in a mental health type crisis. Mm -hmm. So we try to stay away from that type of counseling type piece because that's not our skill set and really try to stay on that customer service sales uh, side. But on the healthcare, just the appointment reminders, um, you know, helping patients reschedule. How do I get to the doctor's office? A lot of things that keeps that front office busy. And there's nothing worse. Again, you call the doctor's office. You're on your way there. You can't find them. And the poor girl at the desk is so busy. And again, doctors are having a hard time trying to find people to work too. And to be able to assist somebody right away when they call in, hey, where are you? And how about this? This is, gets really exciting, Kane. What about first responders where, God forbid, there's, a, there's something? For example, let's say there's a hurricane coming to Miami. And, you know, not everybody's plugged into the news all the time. You know, they're not on the internet. We want to get immediate call. Let's say we need to call 3 million people in an hour. Mm. How would you do that? Even if you had 1,000 people on the phone, <laughs> with, with our AI and our technology, we could ramp up to 10,000 calls in 10 minutes you know, or, or even higher if, if we have that in advance. What about the first responders that are out there that may have questions? Hey, where's the gas The gas line here? I need to turn it off now. And they're trying to get somebody. And who uh, do I call? Whatever. One number call. You get the information you need. So there's so many use cases we haven't even touched on, not sales related, not customer service related, but extremely important at the government level, at emergency services first responders that I think we, we haven't even been able to tap into yet. That's also you know, our, our, another dream to get into because- that really helps people now today.
0: Mm, very good. Yeah, that is that is very good. What What are you finally then? What What are the? Is there anything on the technology side that you think or or think that needs to be improved? So I don't know what your kind of current call success rate, sort of speak, is in terms of like the number of successful conversations that that uh, has. I've seen. You know, some organizations are happy with 30% of calls being automated. Some are happy with calls that are, you know, 90% accuracy is, is, is very, very good. So I don't know what your kind of thoughts are in terms of like the current state of the technology. It sounds as like though yours is pretty good. But then also, what's the next step that the technology needs to tackle?
1: Yeah. I, the, the great thing is we can be very successful when there is a lot of recordings and there's a lot of data for us to train the AI from the beginning. Um, our, our, our hardest ones are when there's no data. So we like to tell you know, sales organizations where the gasoline of the fire would definitely not the spark. You've got to mm-hmm. have that process down. You have to understand your client. You have to have the right data, the right messaging. You have to have something that's successful. Bring us in and we'll help make it more successful because we're going we're gonna to remove the human's guesses and, 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 and things. So it's going to be truly uh, data-based. Mm. I think the way that most AI companies uh, handle conversations is good, but it's incomplete. And I really think that's our difference. It's a true conversation, not just asking a question, getting an answer, and silence. In fact, you look at the majority of people who have built these different types of bots, and, and some of them sound great, but really listen to them. You know, they ask a question, the bot answers, and then there's silence. And the person asks another question, answers, then there's silence. That's not usually how it works. You know, right now you're asking me questions, I stop. Now, you've got to come up with another question to ask me. And, and, Kane. if you're out of it, we're done, right? But mm-hmm. where if I turn it And, Kane, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? You know, what do you think is the next generations of AI? What do you, you know, and then we have an, a true conversation instead of, instead of an interview process. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens is most of the uh, uh, competitors or other products are out there. They're great, but they're really doing a little more of an interview and a lot less of a conversation. And I think that's where we need to go to. People will be more comfortable, more relaxed, the more human-like it sounds, right? That's why Siri, Generation 1.0 was, you know, even though they changed her voice and she was amazing, that was great. Why? Because it sounded like a human, right? It was much more human. Um, Even our old days of the AT&T operators, right, with the wrong numbers, eh, you knew it was a human there. When it's too robotic or too stiff, it gets frustrating. You, you don't like it. You don't want to have a thing where, say, sales or customer service, and you say it wrong, and you go to the wrong place. So I think if we get less interviewee, more conversational, even though that's not the term they use, I think we'll all be uh, better off.
0: Nice, nice. Well, I do have a bucket load more questions, and I think we could go on forever, but we are on time, and so uh, let's let's wrap it up. Brian, this has been absolutely fantastic it's been really really interesting i really appreciate you uh, stopping by and, and sharing these these insights where, where can people find out more about vocodia if they want to uh, learn more or, or reach out to you to figure out how they can work with uh, uh, Bocodia.com,
1: vocodia.com v-o-c-o-d-i-a.com uh, if you're going to be in vegas next week look around for a little uh, call center convention we'll have a booth there and uh, i'll be publicly speaking there and then uh, we're in new york the week after that so uh, check out the site check out our linkedin you'll see where we are we're always a phone call away. We always love to have that conversation. Um, our YouTube channel also can be found by searching Vacodia, has our DSET 2.0 demo. I'd love for you all to go out there and check it out, especially because it's really quick and dirty. It's literally me at my desk, holding my phone up, going back and forth, seeing the live transcription as you're hearing it comes out pretty good. And um, one final thing is if you're overthinking about, you know what, we've heard about AI. We want to implement it, but man, that cost is going to kill me. Come to us. I'll make sure you don't have to spend a penny up front until it's implemented, up, running, and tested. So for the first time in the world, you have the latest and greatest technology without any financial risk.
0: Wow. Very good. I don't think you can find an offer that's, that's better than that. No,
1: you can't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I told you I'm a sales guy, right?
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think, to be honest, it makes sense. I don't know why companies don't do more of that stuff. If you've already got the technology, you can build the model fairly, fairly quickly. And mm-hmm. if you're confident about the results you can get, then yeah. – yeah, pay, pay for the results rather than the service, which is what ramps the cost up. 100%. 100%. Nice nice Brian it's
1: been great appreciate it so much definitely
0: absolutely yeah without a shadow of a doubt this has been really interesting really appreciated Uh, thank you all for tuning in and do not forget 22nd of March uh, Deepgram uh, webinar that we are doing in in, uh, partnership with Deepgram all about how to utilize Google CC oh no that was last that was last night's uh, (laughs) webinar I'm getting so tired I've been on it all day since about (laughs) five it's all about how to build truly conversational AI so do do check it out Uh, Brian again shout
1: out to Brittany Deepgram, love you. Yeah,
0: they are. They are absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much, Brian. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
1: Have a great one. Cheers.